Hello there, this is Jim the Keys bartender. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm going to try to slow down my speech a bit to see if I can't get like a better presentation going. I'm going to be doing this show on, I'm going to release this on Anchor and I'm going to try to, I'm going to do a show with video and trying to mirror this show, but it's going to be a, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to recreate the show with video. Right after this, with no breaks, solid, 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 solid. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an adventure for me. But we're going to continue the segment to 12 drinks of Christmas with the second drink. Today it's going to be the espresso. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, we talk about Key's life and bartending and some personal experiences that I have, I guess. So besides the espresso martini, which I'll give you the recipe at the end of the show, I wanted to talk to you a little about obtaining a tree and that yearly ritual for a lot of people in the United States about getting a Christmas tree, how it is down here in the Keys. It's not necessarily unique I hope you find it somewhat amusing and interesting, but uh, we'll do that. And I want to talk about confi- confidentiality, kind of like the patron bartender confi- uh, confidentiality agreement that we have. So it's, it's not implicit. It, it's, uh, it isn't implicit, but it's not, it's not explicit. Not like you'd see between a, a priest and a penitent. Well, that certainly was a $5 word there. So I'm going to open up. In the upper keys here, in Key Largo, there is only one place I know of that you can get a tree. And now it has even gotten more restrictive. There has been, uh, it's usually at the local supermarket we have, which is Publix here. It's less than a mile south of me. It's less than a half a mile south of me. But unfortunately, I can't get there when the tree um, when the truck comes in. I'll talk about that because on Fridays, it's always on a Friday. It's always on the, it has been on a Friday. Let's say not always been on a Friday, but it has been on a Fridays. And if you're for me, I'm the one that picks it up. I teach my spin class at 9 a.m. at the gym, about 10 miles south of here. But I always, I'm always ready to do that. Normally, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't even worry about stopping at Publix because I could get there either Friday or go Saturday because they used to get a whole bunch of trees, a whole bunch of trees. They may still get a whole bunch of trees. I'm not there for uh, when they arrive now because they would always be available on Saturday, sometimes until Sunday or, or Monday. But it, that has changed recently. I don't know if that's because of COVID or anything else, but they seem to get just like one group of uh, trees. I'm going to pause for one moment. I just realized I didn't bring my coffee over here. I need my coffee. I need to get a little stimulant in me. Oh, I'll be back. Oh, one moment. So I'm back. So there I am. I'm coming back from the gym. And I'm ready to get a tree. And as I approach the supermarket, it's unusually busy for 10.30 in the morning. And as I 
pull in the main entrance to the uh, parking lot, there's about 20 cars waiting in line. So I quickly, I always, I never park in the front. I'm not saying, hey, look at me, I carry my tree to the car. But that's what it is. Hey, look at me, I carry my tree to the car. So I go there, and it is that normal thing that really, I don't know if I'm overly empathetic with the workers at the supermarket, but there are people, you see them standing there looking at trees. They're all bundled up with the cords, and they're getting them cut open so they can see them. And the tradition that I've been adhering to for at least... You know, wherever, obviously, in Philadelphia, when I lived in Philadelphia or Baltimore or any of the other places I lived, a lot of times you go to a tree lot and the trees were open and they would put them through the little, like, harness machine that would put, uh, the, that would bundle up the trees. But since they're bundled up already, I just buy them like that and it usually takes me about, it takes me about two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes to pick out a tree. And except for maybe one or two glaring occasions, I didn't really fuck it up. I mean, it was one time there was a big bear spot in there. And, you know, you can always throw something in there, a little, little extra tinsel or something kind of fluffy in the side there, make it look like it's supposed to be that way. But I had this view, I think it's ever since I was a kid, you know, the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas tree, every tree deserves a home. So I would just get it. And you know, and by and large, almost all the trees I've gotten or brought home were great. So, and I don't, you know, begrudge the people opening trees. I just feel for the people. I hope they get tipped well. So what you do like any other place you go and pick your tree and there's a guy there from out front from Publix and they hold I he said you want me to hold this for you I said yeah could you so I took the tag and I paid for it when I went inside I said wow it looks like you went through most of your trees already and the guy says yes and I go well when is the next delivery he goes well I don't know if we're getting another delivery and I just thought Wow, if they could sell out something like that, I guess maybe they're not making a lot of extra money on the trees or anything like that. Or I was thinking, why wouldn't one of these nonprofits here, like a school or one of these church groups, sell trees? Because, you know, people have to drive. If they don't get into Publix, and from what I understand, I was there at 1030. People that arrived at 12 said the pickings were sparse. And we don't have the option like a lot of other places in the United States, going out and doing that thing where you filch a tree, you know, go in there and cut cut a tree from a forest or someone's lawn or anything like that. That's not even an option because those type of trees don't seem to grow down here. I don't know enough about horticulture to tell you why they don't because the carnivorous-like trees that we have down here aren't aren't the same. They don't have the needles on it and stuff like that. It just doesn't have that. You know, every so often you see someone put a couple balls on a palm tree. But that really doesn't really do the trick, does it? I mean, I like to have a tree. And if I wanted a perfect tree, I'd just buy an artificial tree. So we got it. 
you know, I should pay it. You know, I just learned something this year. I should pay attention to the, the, the trunk, the bottom of the trunk, because this one was a little narrow in the bottom. It was like jacked up on hormones because it was a beautiful tree with all the limbs and everything like that. Because the marching orders that the wife gave me told, told me, he says, don't get it too tall. And it went a little wider at the base than normally you, you get. And I just looked at it and I figure if something's a little thicker in the bundle, it's going to work. So I'll leave that at that. So we're on to that implicit understanding between patrons and bartenders. Now, if bartenders are considered like psychologists or social workers or a priest almost, where people come up and they tell you things. And over the years, bartending in the Keys, people get to know you. And if you end up being a person that talks a lot, people stop telling you things. It wouldn't be a wise thing unless you're trying to broadcast it. You know, if you tell one person, sometimes you want things to get out there. Like, I'm getting divorced. So you can, you know, so whoever is waiting in the wings to sweep you off your feet, you can tell them, you can go and, go and tell someone says, well, this person will broadcast this all over the place and there'll be people knocking on my door or not knocking at your doors, depending on how you've been, you know, how you present yourself. But generally, when something's told to you in confidence, I kind of really take it. You know, you, you, you could make an assumption that it's supposed to be a secret, even though I've, I've kept secrets and then I've heard it come back to me and said, oh, they told everyone. I didn't feel less of a friend or less of a confident just because they chose to tell everyone. I know I kept my end of the bargain. And sometimes you can assume the thing is generally known and no one knows. You know, a guy says, well, you know, I'm thinking, I think we're going to break up. I think we're not going to get along. The, the wife or the wife could be saying that about the husband. We're not going to, I've been seeing someone, blah, blah, blah. You don't, you just can't make that assumption. You don't want to be the person that does that. So last night, what brings this on? Last night, this happened. And this person said, I'm not going to say what they said. But they said something that I think if they weren't drinking, they wouldn't have revealed all that information. And there were other people and they told about, they told everyone at, at the bar and they told people on our patio. And, you know, at that point, it's not a secret. But it's still not my job to reveal it. I know that would make for a juicy podcast if I told you what happened. Maybe in a couple years I can do it. I can talk about it. I can talk about in given time. I could talk about things. Because there's enough time that people aren't going to remember. As long as I don't say the name and I don't say who it is and not too specific, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. And it's usually the story gets out by then. And everyone knows. 
But this isn't the time for that. I've had uh, things that were explosive that happened in the bar. When I say explosive, that everyone in the bar heard it. Uh, it was so, you know, out there that the story's been around. So I can be a source for it. Yeah, I can be a source at that point. And sometimes I can say, listen, I don't think that person was feeling right, you know, at that time. I usually try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't want them to walk around with a label or a story attached to them that may not necessarily be a good description of who they really are. Because alcohol reduces inhibition. Alcohol like sodium, sodium pentothal. That's what uh, was traditionally called a truth serum. And the truth about truth serum and alcohol, and alcohol was a lot of, used by a lot of people to kind of loosen people's tongue, that it generally doesn't give you, uh, it doesn't mean they tell the truth. They just, you know, it reduces their inhibitions of talking. And they could talk about truthful items or they could talk about, you know, fictional items. Um, one time, I'll tell this story. It, it was very interesting because I'm bartending and there's a drunk person outside. Someone I didn't serve. A young man who's kind of walking precariously close to the highway, Route 1, which is only about 50 feet from our front door. So the owner and I, Kathy, walk out front, and we're trying to decipher this young man. We, we wanted to see if he was having a psychotic in, uh, incident or was it alcohol-related. It was alcohol-related, and it was right around uh, graduation. And it was about four years ago, I think. It was prior, it was pre-COVID, but post-Irma, which puts it about four years ago. That's the way I kind of do my timeline. And the fellow was inebriated. He was shit-faced. Three shits, shits, three shits of the wind. Yeah, he was three shits of the wind. And we're trying to get information from him. And he heard Kathy's accent. And Kathy even though she is of Irish ancestry, she was brought up in England. So she had an English accent, a South London accent, to be exact, or from that region. And he started talking with an Irish brogue. And I mentioned to him, I said, and he started saying, <laughs> Kathy, even though she's a British, of British-Irish descent, Irish people that lived in Britain. She didn't take too kindly when this guy started talking about Irish people. Now, he wasn't telling any stories about himself. He didn't tell me, he didn't tell us where he was. He could barely tell us where he lived. He, we kept on asking him for an address. He kind of gave us an address. And we, 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 uh, it was still, we still had about an hour and a half left of the evening. But we ended up calling a taxi for him. And we uh, put him in the taxi. And uh, um, we found out the next day 
that this guy never made it home. He got out of the taxi near the address he gave it, and he went someplace else. They eventually found the guy. He was a young man who was only like 18, 17, 18 years old. And it was right prior to his graduation, high school graduation. And he never made it to his graduation. That's one story. But I wouldn't tell about that guy because you know what? I wouldn't tell that story. We were doing a podcast at the time. I wouldn't tell the story about the fella. Because you know what? He probably was feeling crappy about missing his graduation. And he could have gotten a bunch of rash of shit from his parents. Another time, you know about the Irma one. I'm not going to go into um, too, uh, too deep about it. The lady that came into the bar one time. She was, uh, I, th- I thought she may have been like 75. It turned out she was around 60. She was only about five, six years older than me. She looked like, she looked like a hard 75. And she didn't have her dentures in because I found out that her dentures were being held. She was being extorted by a gentleman. And she was telling me, do you know the gentleman's name? And his name, I can say it because the guy, you know what, they didn't, they never made a secret about their behaviors. So they did. He said his name was Don Canary. And we were so amazed by the name. He says, Don Canary, are you involved with the mafia? She goes, is this a cartoon character? Are you talking about maybe someone's bird stole your dentures and she went on and told us a story of how she was at the VFW and she put her teeth in a rocks glass yes it is disgusting why would you take your teeth out when you're in public and stuff like that? I have no idea and he took them he took the teeth because he was angry that she wouldn't give him money for whatever he wanted it for so we're thinking Don Canary Don Canary. and one of the girls I worked with did a Google search, found his Facebook page, turned out he lived down the street, and there's a picture of him with this woman. It turns out Don Canary was the paramour of the said lady, whose name was Jeanette. She passed away. It's no no big thing. Also, I'll tell you about another story about Mandy. Now, Mandy, was it was no secret about that, Mandy. Mandy was a guy who uh, worked at the catch, he was a character. He had a drug problem. Everyone knew it. He did this stuff out in the open, in front of the building, on the street, doing his stuff. He got involved right after Irma with a relative of his, a cousin or second cousin, another friend, and they were implicated in a murder, an arson. Yes, in the neighborhood here. An older woman and his involved at VFW hired these guys to do a job, blah, 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 blah and they were implicated in the murder and I had a friend of mine who was higher up at the Monroe County Sheriff's Department, which is the Keys, Monroe County. And I asked them, hey, if I get a couple drinks in this Mandy, I know you're try- asking him questions. And everyone knew he was involved some way. Yeah, I know. He's a, he was involved in it. They just couldn't, they weren't flipping on each other. How is a guy with a drug problem keeping his mouth cl- closed too much? But I asked my friend at the Monroe County, would a spontaneous confession be worthwhile to you if I got one from the guy? 
He goes, yeah. So I attempted to, you know, I, 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 I didn't purposely try to get him drunk. I just, just, you know, served him his blue Long Island iced tea. And after his second one, I asked him, you know, I'm asking him a bunch of questions. Got him to say, yes, yes. Do you like girl, blah, blah, blah. you like this? Do you, do you, um, where are you living on the boat? Yes. Blah, 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 blah. Did you murder that woman down the street? And he looked at me straight in the eyes and said, no. And I thought he had him. I thought he had him at the time that, that didn't work. All those things, scenarios were correct. But when there's sensitive information of people that don't need the notoriety that would affect their life, affect their life adversely, I keep a still trap. I know it doesn't sound like it did, but yeah, you when you cross the line, when there's a murder, when there's something stupid going on, you're involving the whole neighborhood, you're you know you're walking down the street screaming and stuff like that <clears throat> on a regular basis. Now, not a single t- one time, and so on a regular basis doing all this stuff, I assume. You lost the right to confidentiality. So that's where I go with that. Okay, on to that drink. The second drink of Christmas. My true love gave to me two espresso martinis. Now, I don't drink. But if I did, that would be something I'd want if I wanted to stay awake. Okay, I'm not suggesting to drink an espresso martini before you get to behind the wheel of the car. Matter of fact, I don't think you should be getting behind the wheel of the car if you were drinking. Now, I'm a hypocrite because I used to drive drunk all the time. And I'm embarrassed about it. I'm contrite about it. But I don't drink anymore. So, the espresso martini is an excellent drink for the holidays. And just remember, you don't have to multiply those drinks you know, when your true love gives to you, you're not going to go to the 12th day and give them 12 peppermint martinis. I don't know if the peppermint martini is going to make it on the list, but we'll see. We shall see. But the espresso martini certainly has a place in that. The espresso martini, for its constituent parts, I'll just tell you what they are. One and a half ounce vodka, one ounce coffee liqueur, normally Kahlua, one ounce of chilled espresso. Why I say chill? Because you don't want to use hot liquid in a martini because you put the hot liquid in the mix. It'll melt the ice. Now, you take all those ingredients. You pour it into a shaker filled with ice. You shake it up good because it gets a nice foamy top to it. And you pour it in a chilled martini glass. Now, the twist I put in it, you heard one of the things I do uh, with the Kahlua, but is I use vanilla vodka. The same mix, one and a half ounce, one ounce Kahlua, a one ounce espresso. I always chill the martini glass. You put the ice in a martini glass. You can put water if you have club soda. Club soda is a little better. You know, it's always nice to make sure you're, like I can't, you know, emphasize more. Make sure your glassware is clean. It makes a better drink, a more presentable drink. Uh, and there's a lot of different things you could do with this. First of all, you could put a little couple coffee beans on top. You could put a dollop of whipped cream. You know, you can sprinkle some. Uh, every so often, you get that chocolate-covered espresso beans. That would be good uh, as a floater on top. Floaters doesn't sounds kind of gross when you put a floater, but you float. You float it on top. It should float. 
you know anything a coffee bean is specific gravity it should float right on the top when you do it otherwise you're making it wrong now there's nice things you can put in you can put a nice nut liqueur cores in it or like an irish cream or if you want to put like a little coconut in it you can do all sorts of things with this espresso martini and it'll just make out and you got to watch out though you may stay up and see santa claus my father always used to tell me if it stayed up during the night santa claus saw that i was awake he would i don't think he said that to me maybe he didn't because there was a suggestion that if we didn't go to sleep santa would not stop by the house so we were eager to go to sleep but you know the espresso martini if you're drinking an espresso martini and you got a bunch of young kids you may not go to sleep right away. And you know your kids are going to be waking your ass up at 5.30 in the morning. You know, you should be, you know, if you give, if, if you're going to give a kid any, you know, anything, it should be something like melatonin at night. Right? Or run him around a little. You know, get, get, get a little exercise in him so you can get a night, good night's sleep. Okay, well that's pretty much what I have to say here on the Keys Bartender. I'm going to try to do this as a video. I apologize that I'm not going to be able to put the music to it. I'm getting sleepy right now. I am getting sleepy. I'm drinking coffee and I'm getting sleepy right now. But I could use an espresso martini without the vodka and Kahlua. So that would be espresso, wouldn't it? A nice cold espresso. That would that would hit the spot. Well, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. I'd like to thank you for listening. I will be back again, and I will be, I think I'll be making this show again. I mean, at one time, I'm going to be able to figure out how to do the recording and take the audio and then the video and put it out there. And I think the video is going to be a little shorter. So... Let's see how that works out. Thank you very much, and I will be back.